Thank you, Annette. It's good to be with you uh, today. If I see some new faces there that I don't uh, recognize, I was, I was um, last year, I worked and served here for about six months of the year as we were uh, finding and waiting for the Ortiz's to land. And this last Monday, I got an email from Omar saying, help, I've, I've contracted COVID and I need uh, someone to preach for me on Sunday. So he, so he called in the relief uh, pitcher again, and I'm, I'm back here. Glad to be with you today. Um, Omar told me a few days ago uh, that he's feeling a lot better, and the case has really been a pretty mild case for him. So uh, I expect he'll probably be back next Sunday, and, uh, and I won't be here. So uh, I wanted to share, though, with you from God's Word this morning, when Omar uh, when I said I would do it, the first thing then that comes to my mind is, well, what do I, what do I preach on if I'm going to come and, and preach to y'all? And um, I realized that all the sermons that I really enjoyed preaching, I, I preached those for six months while I was here. So what's left uh, for me to do? And then I realized, well, it's, it's New Year's Sunday. You know, it's the Sunday, first Sunday of the year. And I thought back to all the New Year's type sermons that I had done before, and I thought, surely there's going to be something there. But as I was reviewing in my mind the typical New Year sermon, you know, it would go something like this, out with the old, uh, out with the old, and then start with a whole clean slate. Uh, we can anticipate lots of good things, be really optimistic, and move forward. And how many of us feel that way on January 2nd, 2022? Uh, that's just not where life is for us these days. We've had, instead of um, anticipating things and clean slates, we're starting the year with really two years of baggage and maybe some dread and certainly a lot of pessimism. Uh, I don't know how many of you can remember back a year ago uh, how many people uh, like posted on their social media uh, rest in peace, 2020. You know, we're thankful for 2021. And everyone was, they had that kind of optimism that it would change. Things would get better. We, we could turn the page on, on life and everything would be great. And then, you know, the first week we have capital riots and everything goes from there. And the, 2021 was sort of a year, I would call it a fits and starts. We, we felt like we were making progress and then we'd take a couple steps back and, and uh, we, we find ourselves now at the end of the year entering, or beginning of the year entering this year kind of jaded and cynical with, with what I would call an ever-lowering set of expectations on what the year is going to bring. Uh, so it's a different kind of New Year's than we're used to experiencing, I believe. Uh, what's happened? Well, if you we could talk about individual things that have that have happened that have brought us to this place. But if you go up to like 30,000 feet and take a view of, of what's really going on and just give a, a general categorization of it, you would say reality isn't really uh, cooperating with our goals and our aspirations and our dreams. That's one way of looking at the last two years. Reality really hasn't cooperated with the things that we want out of life and the way that we feel that life ought to be. And, you know, there's a whole book in the Bible that talks about that. And it's the book of Ecclesiastes that we find in the Old Testament. It's a book where uh, there's uh, the message of the life of Solomon, who was one of the wisest and wealthiest people in the Old Testament, one of the kings of Israel. And it's a story of his life where uh, he had so much 
And yet as he's coming to the end of his life and he's reflecting back on life, he's telling us that the things that we're tempted to put our trust in and our faith in and our hope in are really vanity. The, the, the whole theme of the book is vanity of vanities. Everything is, is vain. If you look back in 1 Kings chapter 10, if you need a little refresher course on the life of Solomon, you find there in 1 Kings 10 just a description of how blessed this guy was. It starts out with a visit from a queen, the queen of Sheba, who says, I've heard all these great things about you and I had to see it with my own eyes. And she spends time there in Jerusalem with Solomon. And at the end of that time, she says, I wasn't even told the half of it. You know, your wisdom, your wealth, your uh, all the things that you're able to do uh, with your life, your servants must be so happy. She just goes on and on and on and on about how great of an environment this is. And if that weren't enough, she, at the end of the, her time there, she showers him with even more gifts. And the chapter goes on to talk about Solomon's wealth. And, and it says there, uh, very interesting sections where it says that silver became of no value during Solomon's reign. It was like rocks is all because it was so abundant. Solomon had so much. He had so much gold that he was actually making shields for battle out of gold. Uh, that's what he would do with it. There was just so much affluence that he had, so many things that that he had there. Uh, and yet at the end of his life, he reflects back on all that. And he says such things as this. He says, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. What benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? He says, the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. And he just calls these things grievous evils. I was reminded of a story that I read years ago about a a man who was coming uh, out of a pub in London late one night, and it was the stereotypical London evening with fog, and it started raining cats and dogs on him. Uh, He had a walking stick, and he could only see about a foot in front of his face. The rain was coming down so hard, and so he was totally reliant on his walking stick to guide him the three or four blocks from the pub to his home. As he was about halfway home, and it was alongside of a river that he was he was walking, uh, all of a sudden, the stick hit air. And he panicked because he thought, where, where have I walked to? If I, am I standing on the edge of the bank of the river? Or am I standing over a cliff? Am I going to fall? What's going to happen? He couldn't see. It, it was just a totally chaotic situation. And he realized that the only thing he could do is stand still and wait until the rain stopped and the morning came and he could see where he was. And so for the next several hours, he just stood still holding his stick, waiting for it to be light enough for him to see where he was and continue his journey. When it finally, when the dawn finally came, he looked down and what he discovered was that his stick was broken. His stick was broken. And the book of Ecclesiastes is like Solomon saying, listen, I've got this great collection of sticks. And the sticks that he had are those things in our lives 
that, that make life work. You know, they're, they're the things that enable us to dream and hope and aspire to greatness and happiness and have hope in life. And they define life. They enable us to navigate it. And Solomon says, I have this great collection of sticks, whether it's wealth or pleasure or power or influence, I've got them all. And as I've gone through life trying to navigate my life with these sticks, what I find is that they've all broken. And now I have a closet full of broken sticks. And, and it's, a, it's a great collection, but at the end of life, all those sticks are going to be broken. It sounds a lot like January 2nd, uh, 2022, doesn't it? Uh, so many of the things that we rely upon in life to guide us and, and the rails that we want to have in place that we go through life with uh, seem to be disrupted. And we wonder just where is reality heading? Where is, our, where is our world heading? Where is our culture heading? And Solomon, after he goes through this experience of, of saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this stick, and it broke. I'll try this stick, it broke. I'll try this stick, it broke. You finally figure that at the end of all of that, he's just going to say, give up on life. Everything's broken. It's, it's no, there's nothing here really to, to live for. But what Solomon really says is something radically different. He doesn't say give up on life. He says, simplify your life. When the sticks start to break, simplify your life. There, because there's another interesting theme in the book of Ecclesiastes that that uh, occurs maybe three or four times in the book. As it's it's kind of a despairing, depressing sort of piece of literature. But at certain times, it's almost as if he comes up for air, and he sees things a little bit differently. And he and he tells us, okay, if this is true, if the sticks are all breaking, how shall we then live? What can we do? And that's the text that I want to speak to you from this morning. It's one of my favorite texts in God's Word. It comes at the end of chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. So Solomon's done this deep dive into one of these sticks, one of these uh, areas of life, whether it's wealth or pleasure. And he says, it's all vanity. But he says then in verse 18, then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him, for this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. May God bless that word to us this morning. And, and on the theme of keeping it simple, I'm going to keep it real simple this morning. Uh, there's three keys here that I can see that Solomon's telling us, one in each of these verses, how to simplify our life, how to really live a life of, of gladness. And the first thing is to appreciate the basics. Appreciate the basics. He says in verse 18, He says, be thankful uh, and find satisfaction in your labor under the sun during the few days that God has given to you. So there's two things here that he's saying to be thankful for. One is your work. 
be thankful for your work. I know that uh, these last few years have been times when a lot of people have struggled with work. Unemployment's gone up. And I, I think for the most part, those of you here have not struggled maybe with unemployment, but it's been different. And if you do know people that have, you know that work is not something to despise. Work is a gift of God because God uses it to satisfy and, and to meet our needs. Labor is a good gift. It brings that kind of satisfaction. But he also says to be appreciate the basics of your life. He says during these few days of life that God has given him for this is his lot. Life is short. Life is short. If you don't realize that now, you will someday, okay? Life is short. I often would say uh, when I was doing funerals at a graveside that as you walk through the cemetery, you see all these tombstones and, and, uh, and signs of, of people's life and death. And what you really see often are just two dates, you know, the date of birth and the date of death. And there's a dash in between. And I said, the dash, that's your life. That's your life. It's the dash between the dates. And when we're young, we feel like it's a, it's a big, long dash. As we get older, the dash seems to get shorter and shorter, doesn't it? That's just the way that it works. Um, we're constantly bombarded with the fact that uh, life is, is fleeting and life is short. Be thankful for the very basics of work and life. A lot of times, uh, while Lois and I will be at, at home and we'll take a pause during the day, we'll walk in, we'll talk with each other and give, give a hug and say, I'm really thankful for you today. And, and I'll say, well, what are, you, what are you thankful for? And Lois will usually come up with some things. But often all that she says is, I'm thankful you're alive. <laughs> thankful you're alive. And my reaction is always, well, that's kind of a low bar. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a low bar to be thankful for. But, uh, you know, when you're, when you're living at a, at a time when there is so much sickness and, and death that comes along with that and friends who are in, in trouble, friends who are struggling with life, being alive is a blessing that God gives to us. Appreciate the basics. I think the second thing that we see in verse 19 is Solomon is calling upon us here to enjoy God's gifts. Enjoy God's gifts. He says again in verse 19, moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this, he says, is a gift of God. So God, Solomon is saying here that your possessions are God's gifts to you. The Bible is not anti-possessions. Uh, the Bible warns us about what happens when we make possessions our all in all. And Solomon talks about that through the book of, e of Ecclesiastes. If, if you just want things, you'll never have enough things. That's one of the themes that comes through in the book. So we need to be careful that we not uh, have our possessions become idols to us. We need to be careful, on the other hand, that we not covet what other people have. But the right response to our possessions, what God gives to us, is gratitude. Because by being grateful for what he's given us, it enables us to move to the next step, which is the ability to enjoy those possessions. He says, God enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in life. One of the grievous evils that he talked about um, 
And he goes on in, in chapter six to say, I have seen another evil under the sun and it weighs heavily on men. God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing his heart desires, but God does not enable him to enjoy them. And a stranger enjoys them instead. He says, this is meaningless and a grievous evil. Uh, I already read the verse that says that the sleep of the laborer is sweet, but the abundance of the rich man permits him no sleep. Uh, you know, what, what Solomon is trying to tell us there and, and underscore is the fact that often the things that we have keep us from joy because we're so focused on maintaining those things or increasing those things that we don't take time to enjoy the very things that God has given to us. Part of the basics, part of simplifying is just simply enjoying God's gifts. They're God's gifts to you and, and the ability to enjoy them is a gift of God as well. And then the final thing that Solomon tells us in verse 20 is this. He says, focus on today. Focus on today. This man, he says, seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. And so he's talking here about two things. One, where is your mind and where is your heart? Where is your mind? Is it, is it like this fellow who Solomon says he seldom reflects on the days of his life. Sounds like kind of like a soap opera, doesn't it? I, I remember some, some of you might remember that, that soap opera that always started out as sands through the hourglass. So are the days of our lives. I was, I picked that up off of YouTube last night and I saw that most of the comments about the 30 second blurb of, of that soap opera referred to grandma. You know, oh, gra grandma used to watch that. I enjoy, it's just so nostalgic because grandma used to watch it. And, uh, and, and that's kind of what we feel like here when we read this. Seldom reflects on the days of his life. What does that mean exactly? Well, I think what it means is it's countering the fact that almost all of us, I would say, spend 50 minutes of every hour either thinking about the past where we're we're wishing things were different, that we could have changed some decision we made in the past, or we're thinking about the future, some, some fear or dread that we have of something that's coming down the road. And the, the common denominator between those two things is that we don't have either of them. We don't have the past. We don't have the future. All we have is today. Where is your mind? Oh, that tendency to look at the past when we, when we think about those decisions that could have been different and where, we, where they would have taken us and where they would have left us. Winston Churchill said once that among the deficiencies of hindsight is that while we know the consequences of what we, was done and the choices we made, we do not know the consequences of some other course that was not followed. We just don't know. And so there's no sense in dwelling on that. But there's also a, a limit to what we should do about the future as well. Uh, we're taught, I think, part of the part of the cultural teaching that we have as we grow up in, in a culture like ours is the, the teaching of delayed gratification, that we ought to sacrifice some in the present for the sake of the future. And there's certainly truth to that. But uh, there's also a danger in that too, because we can postpone living for today. We can postpone what God has put in front of us uh, when we're thinking just about what ought we to save for the future. We're not, we're not guaranteed after. 
What I mean by that is how many times do you, you catch yourself saying, well, after I do this, I'll do that. After I, I uh, read this, I'll do that. After I have this experience, I'll do that. But we're not guaranteed anything after the after. God says, enjoy the day. Where's your mind? Don't reflect on the days of your life in that way. I remember years ago at the first church that we had, uh, there was going to be a women's event coming up that was, uh, it was happening at the time of Lois's birthday. And one of the ladies who was in charge of it wanted to uh, make a cake and celebrate. And she called me up uh, a little week before and said, listen, we want to make this cake for Lois and we want to put her favorite verse on the cake. And she said, can you tell us what her favorite verse is? And I said, uh, yeah, I can tell you what her favorite verse is. It would go like this. Life is uncertain. Eat dessert first. That's Lois's favorite verse in life. It's not in the Bible, but it's a verse. <laughs> and sure enough, that's what they put on the cake. Life's uncertain. Eat dessert first. Very, very fitting. Uh, there's truth to that. There's truth to that. If we keep putting off, sometimes we just never get to where we want to be. Never can experience that. Where is your mind? Uh, is it reflecting on the days of your life in that negative sense? Or is it focused on today? Where is your heart is the second question. Because what the writer says here, Solomon says, that God keeps this person occupied with gladness of heart. He's calling us to be immersed in the present, the present that, that we have, not the present that we wish for or that we're trying to build for the future, but the present that we actually have. That's where he says our life uh, needs to be. Um, but sometimes it's just very hard for us t- to live that way. I, I read a story once about a lady who was being picked up by a, a driver for an event that she was to speak at. And as he picked her up at the airport, he was walking her back to the, the car. And every few steps, he would get sidetracked. He would see someone looking for uh, directions or confused, and he would go over and help them. And he would uh, see someone else in need, of maybe too much luggage, and he would go and, and help them. And after a while, the lady just turned to the man and says, how, how can you live like that? How did you learn to live that way? And what he told her was interesting. He says, well, ma'am, I was a veteran of the war, and one of the, one of the things I had to do in the war was clear minefields. And, and so as a result of that, I, I actually saw friends get blown up by taking steps. And I realized that life is what happens in between the steps. And I want to live that way. I want to live in such a way that between each step, I want, I want to see what is there for me to do to help someone else, uh, to, be, to be there for others and, and to serve God in that way. Uh, life is to be lived between those steps. You know, ultimately, this message, uh, appreciating the basics, enjoying God's gifts, focusing on today, it, it could serve as a very great TED Talk, couldn't it? And have you heard me say anything about Jesus yet? You know, <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, and if all I'm doing on New Year's Day is giving you a TED Talk about how to deal and cope with, you know, the realities of, of January 2022, that's not enough, friends. I hope you realize that one of the things that, that Solomon is doing here is he's talking about a capped existence. One of the other phrases that he often uses in the book is life under the sun. 
life under the sun. It's a closed system. He's saying if this system is really closed, if there's nothing else other than what we see in an experience here, it's a vain kind of life. Vanity of vanity, meaningless is the best he can come up with. If we've, if we've closed it off and, and there's no room for, for God and there's no room for the heavens, all we have is what's here. And he says, if, if all we have is what he, what's here, we're really going to be pretty miserable in the final analysis. One of the um, things that I love to do around Christmas time, I didn't get to it this year, but in past years I've done it. There's this online site that has a, a Christmas snow globe, and it's it's really pretty clever. It's a, it fills up your whole screen. It's a snow globe, and as you turn it on, you turn up the sound, and it's just. It's this beautiful winter scene of people skiing and chopping wood and ice skating and, and they're all, it's playing really, really cheery music and, and everything seems just really nice. But what you do is you take your mouse and you click on this thing and you hold, you hold the click down and you start moving your mouse around and it shakes the snow globe. You know, that's, that's what you do with a snow globe, right? You shake it and, and you watch all the snow come down. Well, you can do this online. The interesting thing is that this, on this online site, when you take and grab and shake the snow globe, the music stops and all you hear are sounds of terror coming from the people, you know, because they're getting tossed around and, and thrown off, uh, off the sleigh and everything else. And, and so they're just screaming and carrying on until you stop and the, and the thing calms down and then the music starts up again. I could spend hours on this thing. It was just great. It's like I'm controlling the world. Snap on that thing, screw it up really good, and then have people scream. And then, and then, uh, I, at my pleasure, they can calm down and enjoy things once again. That's almost sometimes how we feel about life, isn't it? And I think these past few years have kind of felt that way that we've been in this cosmic snow globe that's just being shaken and we're just wondering when it's going to stop and when, when we can get back. Um, the thing about a snow globe is that it's self-contained, right? And what the snow globe, what Solomon's book of Ecclesiastes is, is really calling for is some help from the outside. Because what Solomon finally says at the end of the book is remember your creator in the days of your youth. He's saying this isn't a closed system. And what we find in the gospel is that in the famous verse, John 3, 17, not John 3, 16, but John 3, 17, it says that, uh, that Jesus came, God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's what we've just been celebrating, the gift of the son of God who invaded into this existence that otherwise would have just been meaningless and vain. He's entered into it so that we can have hope and we can have dreams. And that's really why we can simplify life, why we can appreciate the basics and enjoy God's gifts and focus on today. Because what Jesus has done for us in the gospel is removed the ultimate fears. The ultimate fear is that life will never make sense, that our existence is just totally meaningless. But we know in the gospel that's not true because God placed tremendous value upon our lives. He placed tremendous value upon the world by sending his son, not to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. And so as a result of that, we can, we can step back and keep it simple. We can simplify instead of despair. 
and we can enjoy the things that God has given to us and focus on today. I've often thought that if I could choose my my tombstone, um, what I would want on it would be verse 20, that this is a man who seldom reflected on the days of his life because God kept him occupied with gladness of heart. Something very, um, very special about that as I read it. That's how I want my, I resonate with that. That's how I want my life to be. It's very simple. But God says that's what we can have because of what Jesus has done for us. Let that be your resolution this year. Just simplify. No great plans, no great, no great aspirations. Just simplify and appreciate what God has given to you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that in the gospel we have that opportunity to step back and appreciate the basics, enjoy the life you've given us, even when we, we feel like we're in that cosmic snow globe and, and life just doesn't seem to hold out any, any promise of hope and ability to meet our dreams. Lord, in, in the gospel, you've met all those dreams ultimately. And so we, we come back to you in hope that you will once again uh, communicate to us in our hearts your love for us uh, so that we can relax, we can rest in that because of what you've done. We pray these things in your name. Amen.